Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Ordena Osman, here with my friend, Chabruta and Gordon. Our DAP today, Masachet Moed Katan, DAP Yudbet, page 12. Before we get to the two new Mishnahs on this DAP, I just want to point out how sort of the uh, first Mishnah of the parak is wrapped up. And there's two interesting discussions here, one of which actually we see throughout the whole DAP, even after some of the other newer Mishnahs. Um, and that is the issue of, uh, you know, doing something differently because you are an important person. I know, Anne, that's something you talked about uh, before as well. Um, and it comes up in the context of, you know, this issue with non-Jewish contractors who do work for you um, and whether or not, even though under certain circumstances it might be allowed, right, they have this story here with Marzutra, um, that maybe it was not the way that he should have behaved because he sort of was an important person and people were going to be, uh, you know, looking to him. Um, and that wasn't, uh, you know, necessarily a good thing to do. We have a story with Rav where he does something later on in the death. And so I, I think what's, you know, in, you know, it's an interesting thing that some of it has to do with who's the person who needs the work to be done. And because of their stature, is it appropriate? And then the other thing we see here, which I do think is connected to the whole issue of having the non-Jewish contractors, right? You know, um, yes, technically they're allowed to work, but we need to make it look in a way like basically nobody could find them or figure out that they are working. And, you know, so they need to do it outside of the tachum, like outside of the, you know, outside of the sort of prohibited area, the Shabbos limit area, or maybe it can be outside of the tachum as long as we know that nobody, there's no city near there. Or maybe it can be outside of the tachum, not near a city as we long know, as we know that nobody, you know, sort of routinely goes there. Um, and so I think what we see with both of these themes, the issue of the person of stature and the issue of the non-Jew is that these are both cases where like technically, yes, they could do the work, right? Like they really could. Tech- but it's something about like it just it changes something about, I think, the atmosphere that we want to create about Cholomoed. And therefore, we say that it's something they shouldn't do. Person of stature it's going to, you know, it will lead, I think, to sort of a laxity on, on other people because they'll be like, well, so-and-so did it, so why can't I do it? And I think with the non-Jews, the non-Jewish worker, like, yes, it's technically allowed to be done. You're not doing the worker. You contracted them to do it. You didn't specify that it has to be done. You said, here's the money, go do, you know, do the work. Um, but, you know, there's something like people just shouldn't see the work being done. It takes away, I think, from the atmosphere that we're trying to create on Cholomoed. Um, and, you know, I think this is like an interesting, uh, you know, piece to how we celebrate Chalmud. I mean, at the end of the day, having, you know, for Pesach and Sukkot, having to sort of keep some standard for a full seven days, right, and, and the diaspora would be for eight days, it's a long time to not sort of be doing your regular life. I mean, I'm sure we all feel that way in general when we finish those holidays, the catch-up that takes place afterwards. Um, but I, so I think that's some of what everyone's being sensitive to here is like, yes, we're going to give you some allowance, but we, there can't be too much allowance because it will really change the nature of what Cholomor is supposed to be like. I think the other side of this is even a bigger discussion that we're certainly not going to solve today, right? That is the strict halacha versus the spirit of the law, if you will, right? Where there's kind of gray zones, you know, where it's not so clear cut. Yes, no, you can do it. You cannot do it. There is the strict halacha, but then should you do it? And it becomes 
you know, a much more complicated discussion than everything just being a very clear matter of black and white, so to speak. And I think that that, you know, in all areas of halacha, this, this can show up, right? And it becomes more complicated. Here, I feel like, and I've said this already before, that we're in this ambiguous time and and the what you're what should you be doing and what's permitted and what's not permitted. And then now we've got a new wrinkle of for whom is what permitted or not permitted. I, I, it's, you know, from an from a academic standpoint, from a from a thought perspective, it's very interesting, I think. From a what should I do today, it might be a little more tricky. Yeah, I, this is like a theoretical piece of halakha, but an important one because it does actually impact the practical. So it's sort of the theoretical and the practical together. Okay, so I'm going to continue us um, on to the rest of the daf um, with the next Mishnah. And the next Mishnah, be- <coughs> excuse me, the next Mishnah begins as a continuation, as it were, of the previous Mishnah. Meaning, and so also, just like somebody who's already overturned their, their olives for harvesting their olive oil, so too somebody who has already put the wine in the collection pit, right? The collection pit of where they put the grapes and the wine dribbles down, right? And all of this is next to the wine press. And it all needs to be, you know, it needs to be handled. You can't just leave it there inevitably. We're talking about wine. It will go bad. It will get, you know, fermented. It will go sour. And so then what happens, right? Veiro, evel, oones, oshitu. So again, and it, it befalls him that there's, you know, a, a mourning, which means one of his close relatives has passed away, or there's an accident, or his um, his workers have misled him. Zoleif v'gomer v'gaf k'derko. So this is a different psaq, where the answer is, you know, now all of the, again, let's set it up right, meaning he set up a certain amount of um, wine or, or liquid waiting in the collection pit, and it's next to the wine press, and it's waiting for the next stage. And he gets this news or or whatever happens, all of which is before Yentif. And now the question is, what can you do on Cholamoid? So according to the Mishnah, he can draw off the wine to complete the Gomer and complete the process, and then plug each barrel of wine, Kidarko, in its usual manner. Divi Rebiosi, meaning this is wine. It's going to be a tremendous financial loss financial loss, we can assume, right? If it all goes sour, whatever. So this is Rebiosi's position. And then you'll remember, he's also the person who took the more lenient approach with the olives. Rabbi Huda Omer, Oselo limudim bishvil shelo yachmitz. So Rabbi Huda says what he should do is he should t- make a, a kind of a wooden panel that's going to cover that whole collection pit. And somehow that's going to preserve or protect the wine so it doesn't go bad. Now, I'm not exactly sure. I'm, you know, it will not surprise anybody here to know I'm not a vintner and I don't know the expertise here involved in the process that Rabbi Hood is describing. I will note that even though he doesn't say continue on your merry way the way you would under normal circumstances, he is still concerned that the wine should not go to waste, right? It should not be lost. He's just come, he just has a way to kind of keep it in a holding pattern until after the entire holiday. So whether that's, you know, effective or not, I think is, you know, part of the discussion. So, I, you know, I find this to be, you know, again, this is an example of where there's a potential of a great loss. 
Um, but again, it's interesting to me how there's sort of a parallel here between like a period of mourning that might, you know, that prevented you from doing what you needed to do. Um, and, um, you know, and then it's sort of holomoid and then what are you supposed to do? And so I, I think we, t- we mentioned this yesterday, like why is mourning and holomoid sort of parallel to their lines with each other? Um, and I think it is that both of them are sort of like disruptors of day-to-day life, right? Like God forbid what a person has to mourn, right? You had things planned, you were going to do things and now you have a period of time where you can't. And holomoid also, it's like taking sort of a regular days and number of days in a row and you're basically saying you have to limit your regular activity. You know, one is for a bad thing, one is for a good thing. Um, but that's what I was struck by with this Mishnah, that it was sort of like a mourning period into Cholomoed, especially when we keep saying that these, you know, that these are, uh, these are sort of times that are very aligned with each other. I think also there's a very clear drop everything at this exact moment type of thing, right? Which is the kind of thing that happens with, the bad news, sad news of uh, the death of a relative, or perhaps even in, in a, the case of an accident, where there's nothing that can be continued at that moment. As opposed to, and I find it interesting, it doesn't say, what if you found out that your daughter gets married or that your wife had a baby or what? Like, the re- the rejoicing here, which might have been an issue of Marbin Simcha Simcha, I understand that we don't want to mix you know, events, happy events together with Cholomai, but let's say it happened, those things don't stop you in the middle before Chag, right? It's the fact, I agree with you that there's a certain amount of um, both happy and sad that can be disrupted in your regular life, but in this, in these kinds of tasks where you're stages thing done, and that if you are interrupted, you will really lose the product that it seems that only the negative will interrupt that in a way that will pause everything, that will stop everything, and that you have to come back to it, Cholamoid. Maybe wouldn't, you know, let's say you'd gotten it done beforehand, you wouldn't come to do anything about it on Cholamoid, because then that's when the thing stops. It's a, a slower, um, till you get your life disrupted, you can kind of like say, okay, I'll be with you in a moment, Cholamoid. Right, as long as you can take care of everything before Yantif. But if you can't take care, but if something negative interrupts you, then you have to stop right away. I don't know if I've said that as clearly as it is in my head. No, I like I'll try that. again we'll, a different day. We'll be with you. Well, right, I like that. We'll be with you soon, Cholmoy. I get that. Um, I'm going to go into the second Mishnah here on this staff, which is uh, sort of mid to bottom of Amud Bet. So a person can bring his fruit in from the field, meaning he can harvest his fruit. On Cholamod because he's worried about thieves. The Sholet Min Hamishra Or if he has flax that was soaking in the pool, he can take it out so that it's not ruined because it would be soaking too long. As long as he didn't plan to do that work on Cholamod. So this is a new interesting concept, which is we allow you to do things for Davar Ha'abed, right? Something that is going to be a financial loss. Um, however, it can't be that your plan all along was was to do it then, right? It would have to be that it's sort of the first opportunity that came about uh, to do these things, like harvest the fruit or, you know, remove the flax, uh, would be that it happened to happen. It happened to happen. It happens on Cholomoe. But you can't say, I'm so busy getting ready for Chag, you know, I'll just take care of this on Cholomoe. That you're not allowed to do. The kulam im kivinu melachtam b'moed yo'ebdu. 
right? And so in all of these cases, if somebody plans to basically do his malacha on Cholomoid, he basically just has to lose it. He's not allowed uh, to get any type of um, uh, benefit, um, you know, benefit from it. Um, and so then the Gemara basically wants to go on and, you know, uh, talks about some of these cases, but they bring up one Tanabuvachi has a little bit of a different spin on it and says he could do these things as long as he does it discreetly. In other words, our mission seems to say you could bring those things into your house. It doesn't make a difference when if other people see you. Here we have a Brisa that says you can do them quietly. Right, Rabbi Yosef had wooden beams which he brought into his house during the during the day once uh, of 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 Abai, so Abai says to him, "So Abai says to his teacher, Rabbi Yosef, he says, "Wait, but why? How did you do this during the day?" It says you you would have to do it, you know, sort of at night when people wouldn't see. Amarle, he said, "Sinan dahani." So he says, "Right, it is discretion, right?" It is Sanua. It's more. It's it's more private to do it this way. Yamamahi during the day, because at night I would need more people to do it. Right. In other words, you, you don't see as well. And not only that, and I would need torchbearers, you know, to actually give light. Absha milsa. So therefore, it would be much more noticeable. So it actually was better that he did it during the day uh, than doing it. Um, than doing it at night. Um, and the Gemariah doesn't seem to really challenge, uh, you know, the Mishnah. It seems to accept this, that yes, the Mishnah says you can do these things, but you should try to do it bit, bit seen up. You should try to do it uh, a little bit more privately. And I found that interesting that the, our Mishnah really doesn't seem to say that, but the Gemara brings up Brisa and just seems to accept it. Um, I think so. I think that's, I think that is how it presents. Right, but there could have been a machlokas here, right? Like, right, right. No, I'm agreeing with you. Clear. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't like. It, it doesn't give us anything to like mull in that way. I agree, and there's no, there's no machloket not presented here. No. Yeah. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Ring interviews and all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend e. Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about the stuff in our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. Thank you.